Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amateur Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. A couple other thank yous. Uh, thank you to the listeners for dealing with my voice uh, that was barely able to get through the last podcast. I thought Sunday, Sunday evening was uh, still with me having a couple cocktails and uh, screaming a little bit on Saturday night. Might have played into it, don't get me wrong, but I, whatever the crud you have or the crud that's going around, it it got me again too. So. Well, I can tell you the voice that you had was better than anything you would have gotten. And for me on Sunday, because okay. I still sound a little bit down right now, but it was worse this weekend. And yeah, it was it would have been a struggle. My my big thank you is to Big Kurt for last minute jumping in, saving the day. There's zero percent chance I would have been worth anything on Sunday. It would it would have been bad. Yeah. And as we record this on Tuesday evening, we both feel better. I, I don't know if my energy is going to hold out the the entire night. It's probably good. We're doing this a little bit e- late afternoon, evening. Uh, because I, I think I'm, I'm heading towards the end. It's funny. We, your kids are sick, not, you know, not to get too deep into it. My, my kid was sick last week. The five-year-old spiked a fever, popped out of it. He was fine. I don't even know if it was a 24 hour thing when it hits your age group or especially my age group, we don't maybe respond and, and pop out of things quite as quick as the kiddos do. Yeah, it used to be the whole 24 hours and you're ready to roll. Now it's more like 48 to 50 hours before you're even starting to feel somewhat like yourself. Yeah, again, it might so. be it might be closer to 72 for your boy here. Uh, but I do think <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit better. The voice definitely uh, feels better. Uh, shout out again to, to uh, Doug the Carthaginian on the men. Hopefully he's going to be feeling better here pretty soon. But but maybe this is a, it, it's a decent theme because it's rivalry week, right? So it's all about managing the the bumps and bruises late in the year the emotions all the things that have to do with rivalry week in college football and playing in these games to me this is college football is this weekend we can as as much as humanly possible i never want this to be removed from this sport this is what makes college football great yeah nobody's 100 percent this week including your boys here on the pod Everybody's got a little bit of struggle we're going through, but it's rivalry week. We're all here. We're going to grit it out because we got to get this content out. This is important. This is college football. This week to these teams is huge. This week to us fans is huge. There's no way we can miss it. Everybody's got to play a little bit injured, a little bit sick, a little bit under the weather. You just got to do what you got to do to get through these games. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. The one thing that I would say is it's still odd to me. I know I'm older than you and seemingly a decent amount of people that listen to the podcast, but not that long ago, rivalry weekend was before Thanksgiving. This stuff was done. Then you got your Thanksgiving turkey kind of stress-free. There's going to be a lot of people eating their turkey and their mashed potatoes and being happy about it. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking about a football contest not even 24 hours away uh, for one of these games, 48 hours away if your game is happening on Saturday. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there there used to be an emotional release when that game was over and then you get to the holiday season, you know, before the Bulls and everything. Now 
with pushing everything back and championship weekend, it's it's kind of changed it up a little bit. I'm not sure if I love everything to do with with the changeups like that. Yeah, it, it it brings a different feel to the week, but I think I kind of lean into it. I think I kind of like it because, okay. you know, it gives you a little bit more conversation, maybe a little, depending on your family, maybe a little bit more uh, diversity in the conversation. <laughs> if you have a split household, as you know, a lot of Midwestern households are, are split, especially I'm assuming out in the Iowa way. I mean, you think the Iowa-Nebraska game would be pretty pretty split if you get out that way in a certain area so it could lead to some more interesting conversations and dinner time fodder let's say yeah we we are a heavy black and gold uh family i i see my family you know with being married minnesota and iowa i do thanksgiving every other year this year is a cycle on to our house so i'll be up here with my wife's family which is totally fine smoking one turkey putting another turkey in the oven that's kind of how i i roll on thanksgiving but we're, we're pretty we're pretty pro hawkeye and i can tell you one thing there's no nebraska fans uh in the family when when the greeks quote unquote the greeks get together one the other thing that i'd want to point out and talk to you real quick so kurt and i to, to mention kurt again and thanks to to kurt uh from me as well kurt and i breaking down the game uh which obviously will be the last game we talk about this weekend we're we're looking at it from through the lens of an Iowa and Illinois fan, so we appreciate the game, but it's nice to have you, a Michigan fan. Don't take this personally, but it would also be interesting to have an Ohio State fan point of view on this. So, point I'm trying to make is, you know, a fan of the of one of the teams playing in quote unquote the game. This is. This is big. They're big every year, but this is another one of the games where it's two teams ranked in the top five. This, to me, should be it. This should be the last time Michigan and Ohio State play for the rest of the year until next football season. We're going away from East and West. Sadly, this is the last weekend, the full weekend of the East and West being together. Obviously, it's the culmination with the Big Ten Championship next weekend. What I'm getting at here is that I don't like the thought process of there being a very decent possibility as soon as next year that the game is played this weekend and then you turn around and play another game between Michigan and Ohio State, potentially the following weekend in Indianapolis. Where do you stand on that and the overall possibility that that could happen? I'm very indifferent. Because I love the game being the last game of the year. Like it just, your season builds to that culmination. The idea of potentially playing this game two times in a row, and as some have brought up with the 12 team playoff, potentially three times in a row with the way the 12 team playoff lines up. I hate that because it does devalue a little bit of what this regular season game is. But I think as a Michigan fan, and I, I would like to think that I can speak for most Ohio State fans, the hatred is so deep that I don't think it matters that you could play them again because as far as the fans go, we still want to win this game every single time, no matter what. And if we play them again and the opportunity to beat them again, we could be even sweeter. So I understand that the, 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 the potential to play two or three times is kind of icky for a lot of people, but I would relish the opportunity to beat my rival two or three times. So I don't want to see this game change as far as on the schedule goes. I want this to be the last game of the year. Yeah. I just feel that that, that culmination makes the season a little bit better. You always have this build to, 
yeah, but that game is still there. No matter what, if you're having a great season or you're having a down season, you have that, yeah, but that game is still there that you can go take to really either push your season over the edge or turn it back around if you need to. Okay, lots to parse out there. So if you... If, if we could do a poll, and maybe I'll throw it out on Twitter. I don't even know if these Twitter you know, polls actually have any kind of validity to them whatsoever. But if we could throw it out there that it's just Michigan and Ohio State fans voting, and how many of them would say that they would be okay or not okay with the game being moved up to, I've seen thrown out there week four, to open the Big Ten season? How do you think that would be split with uh, Ohio State and Michigan fans? Boy, I really don't know. I, that, that'd be interesting. I I know that the people that I'm friends with and close to and I talk to as far as Michigan fans go would hate it. I would hate it. But I would hate it a lot. I, okay. Yeah, I think it needs to stay. I think the game needs to stay where it's at. Right. I mean, college football landscape is changing. I don't – as against what we want it to so much – I don't want to change any more than we have to. Let's keep what traditions that we still have alive. That's my yep. opinion. I'm with you there. I wonder if you'd have a higher percentage of Ohio State fans that would be okay with it because it's a little warmer in September, early October, and that seems to are you are you fit. insinuating that maybe Ohio State is soft? Is that a uh no that was your words <laughs> not mine. I, I, style, I had to. I had style to. of play. Style of play is more what I, I'm getting I at. Know. It's it's rivalry week. I got to get that banter out there when I. You know, it's it's funny. I was talking to the middle brother, uh, Darren the American, and he was he was giving his assessment of your your podcasting in relation to, you know, the rivalries. And he said, you know, I think he's been very fair to Michigan State and Ohio State all year long. But when it comes to Michigan, you can tell he's a Michigan fan. I said, absolutely. You know, we're all guilty of of erring on the side of our team. I won't be much different here in a, in a couple minutes it's or, it is hard to take hard. that bias out yeah. i try to think of my that i'm realistic but that bias is always going to be in there it's it always there. going to lean a little bit but i try the best i can to at least be somewhat rational with it this week it's, might be tough this week i got i think it's going to be tough it's baked into the cake for for sure i try i sort of alluded to that on the last podcast because Gosh, Jordan, Iowa won the Big Ten West, and I celebrated, and people were disappointed in me. Not a ton, but, you know, I, I heard feedback. Give me a look, you know, I'm still a fan. When we started the podcast. You're, you're allowed said, to be happy yes, when your team does good, no matter what your role is and what you're doing. Like that, I don't care what anybody yeah, says at, about that. I at least give myself a good six hours after the game. I'm usually coming down off the high a little bit the next day. You get a night of sleep, you know, you wake up you're back to being more of a normal human, but there's emotions wrapped up into this stuff. And like, I, I can promise you Sunday, if this game goes my way, I will be a much more jubilant podcast. Well, host. I, I can tell you that. And I still don't think you have completely taken it into consideration that your team might not win on Saturday and that you have to rebound. And I don't think you're completely taking that into consideration with the question I just asked, which is when you said it would be good to beat my rival two or three times. <laughs> what happens if you lost two or yes, three? Yes, that would be equally miserable, but okay. that's the double side of the coin that you just have to take. I mean, I, I really risk that right now. Uh, to use a to use a uh, Big Kurt slash Anchorman, I don't believe you, you know, to quote Anchorman. And what I'm getting at is, I think there are a ton of Ohio State and Michigan fans, 
in all honesty, that truthfully believe the things that they are saying. And what I mean is that they would be open and perfectly fine to playing this game two or just even more disgusting three times. Actually, maybe three would be better because then there would officially be a rubber match in there. That might actually be better than than twice. My number one slot is number one for sure. But maybe my my favorite would be you guys played a third time. Anyways, I'm, I'm being stupid right now. But my point I'm trying to make is once Michigan and Ohio State fans actually go through this, okay, this is my prediction. It will happen. Michigan and Ohio State will replay the game in Indianapolis. Methinks you will not like it nearly as much as you think you do, especially if it's split. If, let's say, Michigan wins the game, goes to the Big Ten Championship to replay Ohio State, and Ohio State wins, now you Ohio State has the trophy for the Big Ten Championship, and Michigan just has the winner of the game, which, by the way, you don't even have a trophy, so you don't even technically have something in your trophy box. I'm telling you, brother, it's not nearly as exciting and, and awesome as I believe your fans and the fans of your rival are, are contemplating with this. You're, you, you could be correct. I mean, you don't know until you know. Like, it's just... It's one of those situations that until you're in the moment, you can't truly know. Okay. All I go on is what my gut says. And I think the, the the fact that we won the last two probably makes it a little easier for me to say it because we have current history on our side. Yeah. But like I said, you don't know until it happens. So I, <laughs> I agree with you. It's going to happen one of these days. I mean, it's with this new setup. I think it's inevitable that these two teams end up playing back to back with the way it's set up in that moment. Maybe we're still doing this and we'll find out. We'll find we out. And and to give it a percentage thing, it's not like it's going to happen every year. I, I want to be clear there. But once every four or five years, not crazy to think it could happen that much or that often is what I should say. Last thing before we move on to the actual football contest, as I alluded to before, last full weekend of East versus West. Obviously, more of my time and energy is spent following the teams in the West the West is obviously something that has been set up, celebrated and ridiculed equally, maybe even more on one side than the other. I, I have I've been working on a poem. It's it's called the Ode to the West, to the Big West. I'm I'm gonna get it out on Twitter eventually. So look look for that. It, it's my it's my sophomoric effort into to poetry, and I I hope you and and our listeners enjoy it. That will be amazing. I cannot wait to see that. I, I don't know about amazing, but hopefully amusing. Amusing is more. I am a college for. football junkie, and I appreciate the Big Ten West. So okay. I think you'll, I can appreciate it. You'll Just, like it. You'll you'll like it. We'll 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 see what the listeners and followers think. Okay, let's go ahead and move into the actual football. We got seven Big Ten games this weekend: two on Black Friday, five on Saturday, the twenty fifth. On Saturday, there will be two in the AM. 3 in the p.m. We don't have any night games on Saturday. There will be a night spent relaxing and happy for some fan bases and and miserable for the other half because that's pretty much how it's going to work out for most of these games. All right. First two games up are on Black Friday. The 9-2, and two, number 15th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes at the 5-6 and six Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on CBS. Kind of an interesting little twist there. Lime. Nebraska by two and a half over under <laughs> 26 and a half. So Vegas is saying uh, 14 to 12, Nebraska. 
Uh, this is the Battle for the Heroes trophy. Going to be chilly but dry. We, I had been saying for about six weeks now, yeah, Iowa, Illinois. Yeah, Iowa, Wisconsin. Folks, listen to me. The Iowa-Nebraska game is going to be the lowest point total for the, for how this winds up. This will set the record. Not disappointed where the desert people have this 26 and a half. And me thinks it's not going to move up hardly at all, if any at all. I, I think this is the line we're going to wind up with. No, I think I think you see it sit pretty tight here. If anything, you may drop the hook, but I think that's about it. Um, Nebraska leads the all-time series here 30, 20, and 3 overall including last year's big win in Iowa City, 24-17. So the Huskers need a repeat of that to get to bowl eligibility with this season. Yes, that this has been the the theme uh, so far this week. I will say, so to, to uh, be clear, Jordan and I are recording on Tuesday evening, early evening, before the college football playoff rankings go out, I took a stab here. I'm guessing I was going to move up one spot to 15. We'll we'll see if I'm if if I'm accurate or not. I don't think the other three teams that are ranked are going to move at all this this evening. I think things are going to be pretty static with the rankings. We'll see if I'm correct or not. Point I'm trying to make is we we don't have as much of the week to ingest line movements, information, Twitter, all of that stuff. We want to get this out a day before because injuries of the early as well. games, injuries, all of that stuff. So this this is this is a precursor for this game, but the six games that follow it. So we just wanted to throw that out there. But this so far in the week, I would say it's been somewhat tame between Iowa and Nebraska fans. We certainly do not like each other online. I would even <laughs> venture out a guess to say we don't like each other a whole bunch when we're in person. Probably not as nasty in person as it is online. It's been a little bit tame. Why is that? I think there are reasons. Number one, there is no doubt whether Nebraska fans want to admit it publicly or not. They are butt clenchy right now for this game. If they were sitting at six and five, I think the the fighting would be in abundance. But that makes Nebraska fans a little apprehensive. They were sitting on the cusp of a bowl game for essentially a month now. And then the wheels kind of refell off. So that is making them nervous. On the other side, Iowa and Iowa fans. I don't mean to speak for all of Iowa fans or certainly the program, but there was an emotional release after that Illinois game on the field in Kinnick to which I've never seen before. Coaches crying, players, you know, embracing KF, who is typically as stoic as can be, he's bringing cigars into the the, the post game press conference. You know, talking about how we usually have a twenty four hour rule after a win, but maybe I'll give them some extra time. Iowa fans hear that and we're like, KF, we got a short week this week, you know, and we're playing a rival. All of this has mixed together to make a apprehensive heroes game that's for the heroes trophy. That's, that's the setup for this game. I don't know as a non Iowa Nebraska fan that's distracted with his own game. I don't know if you're picking up on that on Twitter at all this week. The number one note I wrote down for Iowa was, is there a letdown for this game after exactly what you said, the emotions that we saw coming out of that game, the, the West is clinched. It's locked up. You're going to Indy like, the Cooper DeGene injury didn't really seem to play an effect last week. Does the reality, I mean, 
I mean, it does because bit, of what, what he does, but not to the extent where it costs you the game, which was entirely possible with how valuable he is. Do you see the emotions and do you see everything from all of that? Does that take effect this week? Now, the fact that it's a rivalry and it's Nebraska, you hope that that kind of counters that emotion. And I think it will because these are still college players at the end of the day and they still want to win every single game. But I do think that that has that makes me think that this game's going to start out slow, and yeah. you're going to see both teams just kind of like not really know what they want to do on either side of the ball and how this game's going to go. And I think it's it's going to be it's I can't articulate what I want to say. It is hard, it's because I I think we know what Nebraska's biggest issue is is turning the ball over, and Iowa's so good at forcing those turnovers. So I think early in this game, if Nebraska avoids that, and I, that can change the entire trajectory of this game, the first quarter to me is so important in this game because of all the emotions that we talked about and how it's going to affect the flow of this game. I don't I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I would try to explain through slash articulate something a little bit more. My guess is Nebraska fans listening to this are saying, Listen to Greek making excuses if Iowa doesn't look good and and win this game. I'm trying to not do that, but I'm also trying to share my honest thought processes. Is Iowa going to play their starters? Yes. We have nobody else to play. <laughs> we've already lost. <laughs> yeah, there's there's line. a lot of injuries yeah. on both sides for sure. For sure. So we've already lost a lot of our starters. We we can't dig much deeper in the barrel. So yes, if a guy is healthy, he's going to play. Are there are there players that I've seen on the line that they've tried to get go the last couple of weeks that they just pulled off this week? Yes. There's a couple guys, mostly along the offensive line where you could tell they're just not even going to give it a go. So I think they're a little bit more exact. What I would then say about the emotional side is I would compare it to Michigan, Maryland last week. Now that is not to, pr- to compare where Michigan status is to Maryland's to Iowa status to Nebraska. I want to be fair However, Michigan it's the situation. Had, it's, it's the, the situation. The it's a it's a letdown after an emotional game, which Michigan had after Penn State, and then looking forward to the big game, which obviously is Ohio State that Iowa has with the Big Ten championship. These are natural things that happen to coaches and players. I'm just saying that that could be the case. Then it lends into what you just said about the beginning part of this game. I would say, is that the time? Nebraska takes shots. Do you try to get Iowa back on their heels? And the guy that can do it is the quarterback that everybody thinks is going to be the guy for Nebraska and absolutely should be the guy, which is Chubba Purdy. He looked a lot better than any throwing quarterback that Nebraska has rolled out this whole year. He just well, and the versatility, the versatility, like he being does. able to throw the ball and also being able to get out of the pocket and keep things alive. He's a good runner. I, I, you got to let Chuba be Chuba, is what I wrote down here. He's got to be free. He's got to be able to throw the ball. He's got to run the ball. But you just you can't. They, I mean, we the Satterfield has got a ton of criticism from Nebraska fans, deservingly so. But you can't handcuff what this kid is because a quarterback like that, like Chuba needs to stay in what he can do. And so you've got to let him throw the ball. You've got to trust him. There's going to be mistakes made. We understand that he's a young quarterback who's growing, but the minute you start handcuffing him, you see more mistakes because now he's thinking 
Now he's trying to be too fine. And against this Iowa defense, that's what they want. They want you to think. Because when you start thinking, you're not playing. He just needs to play. That'll be interesting. And I agree with you. I think you need to try to take shots early. That's why I said this first quarter to me is huge. so huge in this game. Totally agree. I do believe Matt Rule agrees with you as well. He's been preaching all season long that he wants his players to play without thoughts of repercussions. Go play your game. I do think Chelva Purdy gives them the best option to do that. Side note, weirdest groin injury in the history of groin injuries. He apparently has got to have surgery. He looked fine. You know, slicing through that Wisconsin defense in that first series. So he couldn't play all year because of the groin injury. And he still needs surgery, but he looked this good. I'm just saying, I can't Modern figure it out. It's a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> well, or just the 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 thought process with it. I I would be asking these questions if I was Nebraska, because they look better. Like everything looked better in that game with just one change on the offense, which which is chill. I'm I would be asking these questions. Switch it to the other side. Deacon Hill, not a dual threat quarterback, but he has looked better incrementally each game the, since the since the idle week. Did not look good up to the idle week when he was thrust into action. Each game, I've been joking and throwing out my dream stat lines for Deacon Hill, which typically was like 15 of 20 for 150 yards, you know, or something like that. He's kind of been, he's been hitting those. And then he's knock on really wood. really close to it, right? Yep. And then knock on wood last week, he didn't turn the ball over, and that made a huge difference in this difference in that game. Keep it especially Illinois in that game, then, being yes. the way that game was played. Absolutely, I, and I think a little bit of that you can say is you know Caleb Brown is emerging a little yes. bit and getting open. It's amazing what happens when you have a weapon that can get open that's not strictly a tight end. Like it, it yes. matters to the offense. It's just incredible how different this offense looks. The wide receivers had been picked apart by media and fans. I swear, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back too much here, but I kept saying if they were given a shot to play, I think they would respond. They look better now. Caleb Brown. I agree. Addison Ostrenga. I still think Seth Anderson is like, they've looked better, which is huge because if they're going to beat Nebraska, they're going to have to have some success through the air. I still think the best way to move the ball on Nebraska is to attack their back seven. I'm not saying I want to see 40 pass attempts because if we're doing that, we're trying to catch <laughs> you. Don't want to go full air raid. <laughs> do not want to see that. We, you want to do it somewhat, somewhat like Wisconsin did it, which is, you know, mix in the run. Now the difference is obviously Wisconsin mixed in the run at the quarterback position. We can't do that. However, if we go empty, you can run big boy straight forward. I, I don't want to move in lateral, laterally, but when he goes straight forward, I joked and called him Deacon Downhill because he was a downhill runner in that game. So I think that's available, but it's going to have to be moving in one direction. You're about yeah. to get three, four yards out of just inertia alone. The inertia. Honestly, God, I, I, that's a big part of it. So we'll see what that. I would give the ball switching over to back to Nebraska. I, I would give Emmett Johnson a lot of carries. He's looked good. I would let your quarterback throw the ball. So there is the potential that both of these offenses actually have a little bit more available than what the outside public thinks. But that's what I thought last weekend, and we still went under with the Iowa-Illinois game. Again, with the theme that I always say, talking out of two sides of my mouth, 
I do see the possibility of one of these teams sort of running away with it. And when I say running away with it, I mean 24 to six. I want to, I want to be clear here. Okay. I, you know, there's no, yeah, we're not, we're not going to see 40 points by one side. I, unless Something ungodly, happens. ungodly happens. Like there's just an avalanche. You could see it or there's just an avalanche. Oh yeah. If the turnovers for Nebraska just turn into something like, the like entire that. season, then sure that could happen. But I'm not, I don't see that at all. But that is the script that's out there is Nebraska plays tight, then forces it leads to turnovers. Iowa plays a little bit more loose. They win. 24 to six, or it's pretty obvious, pretty early. Iowa just don't got it. Nebraska has a release of emotion to get to their bowl game. They win the game, something like 24 to six. Those are the possibilities I see out there. By the way, that's not what I'm predicting. Okay. Those are like the 15 to 20% game scripts. I went with the, you know, close to 50% game script. So we can get into predictions now. I'll let you start and then I'll, I'll follow you. Yeah, I think everything everything that we said and everything that you said too, because obviously I know where my head was at when I put my score down. But it, you've you've reaffirmed what I feel about this game. I think this game is close. Um, we know Nebraska can stop the run, but to me, the big thing is that back seven and the turnovers. Those two things in this game, in a game against Iowa, you can't turn the ball over if you want to beat them. Like you you can't do it. And I just can't believe that Nebraska is not going to turn it over because. They've just been turning it over. So I'm going to take Iowa to win this game on the road. I think this game is close. I've got 20 to 14. So that's 34. That's comfortable oh. over. The reason I feel the over is because I just feel like a short field turnover is bound to happen in this game that Iowa can easily capitalize on that pushes this over. So I like the Hawks. Give me those points. And I think it, I think it goes over. I think 20, I mean, I'm not predicting a huge over, but 34 right. points is over. And it's actually somewhat huge over. It's getting close yeah. to a touchdown being over, which is crazy. Iowa hasn't lost in Memorial Stadium since 2011. I trust Iowa's defense. I do. There's a lot of circumstances, though, with this game that that certainly make, make me nervous. I do not believe Nebraska is going to turn the ball over at the, the, the rate that they were for the last couple of weeks, I think it's going to be something like a two turnover to one advantage for one of the teams. And I think that team that will have the turnover advantage will be Iowa. That turnover will be the difference in the game. I've got Iowa 13, Nebraska 10. So at 23 points, I've got this going under, obviously with Iowa winning, I, I have them winning outright. There's been other 13 to 10 type of games with Iowa and Nebraska. We're probably destined for something like that. I guess we'll find out on Friday. I mean, I could 100% see, dang it, 100, ah, I could easily see that game going that way. And the, the, another thing that plays into this is the special teams for both teams have kind of taken a hit. Other than Tory Taylor, he is still doing everything right. But both kickers, a couple misses here and there. That doesn't help with my confidence with points being on the board. Our punt returner is not there. Their punt returner is still a little bit iffy. These are all of the things that need to come into account when you're looking at Iowa, Nebraska, as they currently stand with how they attack things. All right, staying on Black Friday, not as much of a revered rivalry. The 9-2, and two, number 12-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions versus the number four, or the, excuse me, the four and seven Michigan State Spartans. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on NBC Lion 
at line Nittany Lions by 21 over under 42.5. Vegas is saying 31 to 10. Nittany Lions, I say, versus Michigan State instead of at Michigan State because this is a technically a neutral site in kind of parentheses. This game's in Ford Field, not in Spartan Stadium. Yep. So this series all time is tied up 18, 18, and one. Wow. Uh, Penn State did Penn State did win last year 35-16. And this is for the beloved land grant trophy, we said. So the one of the biggest trophies, if not the biggest trophy that anybody has ever seen. And both fan bases are extremely proud of this trophy. It's we have so seen good. it in our in our group chat. Yeah. We've I've seen it all over Twitter. The thing is it's monstrous and they love it. And I hey, I get it. Lean into it. If that's your if that's your stick, that's your stick. Love it. But yeah. Series Dude. all tied up, 18-18-1. This is a big game. Huge. Uh, Dougie cracked me up when he said, hey, if you don't need a dolly to move your trophy <laughs> around, do you really yeah. have a rivalry trophy? <laughs> you need a dolly for this thing. She's a hoss. And, and I don't know what it's more of, huge or ugly. It is It is the biggest, <laughs> ugliest thing I have ever seen. And kind of like an offensive lineman, right? Big and ugly, and because of that, you kind of wind up find them cuddly and likable. That's sort of how this trophy works. So I I am ashamed that I did not know the series was that close. I mean, number one, it's not like Michigan State and Penn State have played a ton of games before Michigan State got in the Big Ten. Michigan State was really good, you know, for a long time. Sometimes people forget that. So they picked up a lot of dubs during those really, you know, good D'Antonio years so yeah and that's what Penn State was going in. through a lot of their their stuff too so Penn Correct. State now Michigan State good and led to even more of a balancing wow that is interesting it does put a little bit of a spin on this game unfortunately I don't know how much of a spin is after that once you get past the fun rivalry overall record stuff because certainly it seems like Penn State is heavily favored and well yeah this, probably this is the this only game. Game we've well, I mean, this is the only game we've got all week that's bigger than a touchdown spread. So I mean, that that kind of tells you what you need to know. To me, the number one question with this game is what's Drew Aller's status? I mean, we saw him leave last week. How healthy is he? How much are they willing to put him in the line of fire? Obviously, the college football playoff and the Big Ten title game are out of the picture. So they're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. That does matter, Penn State fans. I know some of you are like, ew, gross. I don't care about it. That's a big deal. It still yes. matters. A New Year's Six Bowl is big. It's huge. If it wasn't, other teams wouldn't fight and beg to get into those games. So it does matter. And winning this game matters to have a shot to get to that. So interesting to see what James Franklin does with Drew Aller. I do think they could probably win this game comfortably without him. I think so. But you yeah. still feel better as a Nittany Lion fan if your starting quarterback is in the game. Who are we to talk to Penn State fans? We're not Penn State fans. With that being said, I'm with you. You you go ten and two, play a really fun bowl game. Penn State fans, just look at last year. You you pulled that game out in the Rose Bowl versus Utah. You're trying to tell me you didn't enjoy that and feel oh, good. No, yeah, they enjoyed it. You still something. you still have a chance to to grab. <laughs> Maybe just change to ninety nine percent. I'm gonna lose it on this. I, I it's, it's this is gonna be the week. It's gonna happen. We I know we all have those go tos. I have no difference, so don't worry about it. I should have given you crap on the podcast. Now, now I've planted in your head. With that being said, Penn State fans, listen, you still have fun stuff out there. We think you should go for it. Michigan State, they're more interested on who's going to be our coach soon. When are they going to announce it? How deep are we into the process? I do not believe 
Drew Aller will play in this game. I think he will be more of a, in, in case of emergency break, glass type of situation. So it'll be Bo Prebola or Pribola. Haven't got that down yet. <laughs> However they say, that. say it. <laughs> I know. We, we, between the two, we, we you know, we had issues with, with no Aller clue. at one point. I too, wasn't so. even going to try his last name. I was just going to say. I think it's Bo Pribola. I think it's Pribola. Well, go, so, we'll go Pribola. So I love the fact that they just said, screw it. Let's just run him. Physical dude. And he looked good. He brought a nastiness to it. So I think we're going to get that in this game. I will say Michigan State, it kind of plays into them a little bit because I still think they're a little bit more stout, you know, up the middle against the run. Um, But on the other side, they had a passing attack that sort of came out of nowhere. But I think part of that is because they were playing Indiana. Okay, so I don't. I, I think yeah, I was going to say Penn State secondary, Indiana secondary, a little bit of difference, quite a quite a big gap there. <laughs> Correct. So I can see maybe a gash play happening every now and then, Yolo shot to to either Carr or one of the wide receivers, but there's just not enough that I see here to put points on the board. I also think there will be a bit of let's get the hell out of here for Penn State running the ball all of these things this is why the game total is low and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and predict low so I got Penn State 27 Michigan State 7 that is a one point cover for Sparty don't love it and at 34 points I got this going quite a bit under I I if this was if this game total was like 44 Certainly 45. I would have made this my Amador double barrel lock of the week with the under. I still like it at, at 34. Yeah, we we're we're right on we're right on the same page with this. I mean, I have Penn State getting a little bit more points. Um, but because of the spread, I had to kind of maneuver it a little bit just so I didn't have a push on the numbers. So I am gonna go Penn State 30, Michigan State 10. Uh, so that's 20 points. So I'll give Michigan State the slight cover here. I think more of it is the fact that Penn State's not going to want to throw the ball around. They're going to be content running it. I think they're just they're just going to they're going to get on this game. They're going to sit on it with all the running backs and the quarterback run game. Yep. So, but that and that's slightly under the total as well. All right, that moves us into the last Saturday with a lot of Big Ten football. Saturday, the 25th, first game up, the 3-8 and eight Indiana Hoosiers at the 3-8 and eight Purdue Boilermakers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on the Big Ten Network line. Boilers by three, over under 50.5. So Vegas is saying something like 27 to 24 Boilers. Warmish, 40, 40 degrees in West Lafayette. Yep, another, like we said, it's rivalry week. So Purdue leads the all-time series 76-42-6. Purdue has won four out of the last five, including last year's 30-16 to victory. This is the old oaken bucket, is that correct? correct? That is correct. I'm not, I'm going off the dome with these. I did not look any of these trophies up. It. I want to see how many of them I can hit. So the okay. old oaken bucket for the Indiana Rock. Yep, uh, one of my favorite rivalry trophies. Ain't nothing wrong with the old oaken bucket, I. I looked it up and I've already forgot. I think it goes back to like the 30s. So we we're we've been playing a tick for for this. Would be interesting if there was a a bowl. I guess I didn't give my bowl game bowl ranking to to Iowa and Nebraska. I was going to give that a 3 because that's how bad Nebraska wants to get to a bowl so they got a 3 all on their own. This one's a 0. Neither one of these teams playing for a bowl game. But Tommy's playing for something. I I was expecting Indiana with our comments on the podcast the last two, three weeks. I don't, I don't need to speak for you, but I was inferring that Tommy a would keep his job 
partly because I was inferring that they would beat uh, Michigan State and had a decent chance to beat Purdue with the way things are looking. Then they lose to Michigan State. Now you have this game. You lose the game. You're you're three and nine. There's there's a difference between three and nine and four and eight. I, I can't put a finger on it. Especially a, a three and nine where you lose to your rival there on the last go. week of the season when the Barbarians are at the gate. Yes. I mean, the, the fan base is upset because it hasn't gotten better. And then if you lose to your rival to end the season, uh, yes. that's not a place I'd want to be. I, I agree with you. I think I think Tommy A is coaching for his life in this game. How do you sell three and nine bringing Tom Allen back if you don't at least have the bucket? in-house i yep. could could not agree more here's something that i would like to think uh the followers of the eyes on big podcast are are gentlemanly ladylike and don't wish for somebody to be injured but we don't know how healthy hudson card is that's a huge difference in this game massive massive difference now i do think ryan brown with an e stepped in and looked pretty decent he he had he didn't look bad. He just made some bad plays, is how that game went down. They moved the ball like crazy, but Hudson Card brings the throw game into this simply more than Ryan Brown does. And if that's the case, you're now matching up Hudson Card's ability with his right arm with this freaking rushing attack by Purdue that is it's caving people in, man. It's I don't know how many people are aware. What Purdue is doing on the ground right now, it's it's incredible. I think Purdue has found its identity. I mean, it's it's not leaning so much on Hudson Card. It's like, hey, we have a couple of good running backs, and we found a running scheme that's working for us, and they're leaning on it. And that's what you need to do. Like I said, this Ryan Walters-led team has grown throughout the season. Early on, we thought they were, they were plucky. You know, they, they had Fresno State on the ropes. They had some early season games that they could have won, didn't go their way. Conference play starts, and it's like, okay, this team might spiral out of control. But they've just grown as the year has gone. They've gotten better in every facet of the game, and I think that that's coaching. That's Ryan Walters getting people to buy into what he's selling. That's why I think he's going to work in West Lafayette in the long run. I agree. Um, And I feel – Having said that, I feel that Purdue fans still matters here. For 100%. And and I've got a little caveat when I make my prediction here (laughs) – I just, I, I adopted, I adopted it. The, there is, if I could speak for Purdue fans, let's say they win this game and finish four and eight. They've got a puffy chestiness about them. They, and it's with that Ryan Walters swag. It's it's getting through the players. It's getting into the fan base. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of reiterating what you're saying. With Indiana, they're, they're, it was looking good. They should have won that game last weekend versus Michigan State. So I don't want to I don't want to throw dirt on the Hoosiers' grave either. Soresby has definitely been That's what I was going to say, Soresby. Definitely step up. Jalen Lucas is still fun to see. They've got Lewis on the defense like there's players with Indiana that that people aren't like taking into account. They're running the ball pretty well as well. So I see points in this game, I see this as the potential to be one of the more fun games. I would maybe throw it out to the audience to put some shekels on this one and sit back and have some fun. 
only issue is it's going to be a, you know another big game that's happening at the same time for for the person I'm recording with. But I think this has the yeah, potential. Well, I don't of, think I'll have many eyes on it in the moment. <laughs> well, TV two, you know, checking it out type of stuff. Like I, I'm definitely going to. I, at least I plan to. So some fun parts of this game. There there are unknowns. So I don't know if you if you want to if you're ready to get in to to the prediction or. Has you got anything else to add? Yeah, no, I, I, I can go ahead and go here. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think we, I think we've said it all. To me, I, I agree with you. I think points in this game is is a big thing. Um, for Indiana, it comes down to Brendan Soresby and can he make some plays down the field for this Indiana team to to get enough points? Because I I think Purdue's going to score with or without Hudson Card. So to me, close game, rivalry game, point spread small. I'm going to take the home team here. I'm going to take Purdue to win this game outright. I. 28-24, so that's that's a four-point difference. The spread's three. I'm going to give them the cover. Close game, 52 points. That's over. I think the safest thing I feel about this game is that it goes over that over. 50 and a half, yes. but I like Purdue at home to get this win. We're not too far off. I've got Purdue 30, Indiana 24, so at 54 points, I got this going a little bit more over than you. That Hudson card news hit. Two hours before game time. So here is my advice to to anybody that takes my advice and plays it. If you get word that Hudson Card is playing, which is going to be around 9.05 a.m. Central Standard Time, play this Purdue team. I would also like the over in this game. But not knowing the health status, I still like Purdue and I still like the over. I like it even more if Hudson Card is playing. So there's there's my little bit of advice for you. That makes sense. I co I will co-sign that. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move into the afternoon. The six and five Northwestern Wildcats at the five and six Illinois Fighting Illini. This is a 2 30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network in Champagne line, Illinois by five and a half over under 47. Point five. Vegas is saying something like 27-21, fighting Illini. Warmish 40 degrees in Champagne. So the Illini lead the all-time series 57, 54, and 5. So this one's really tight, including the last two that the Illini have won. Last year was 41-3. to three. The last two meetings have both been pretty lopsided in favor of the Illini. So this is the, the battle for who is Chicago's team, right? Is that what? Well, yeah. Northwestern is quite adamant that they are Chicago's team. They have signs all around the the uh, stadium that and around Ryan Field. The the soon to be imploded, by the way. I Ryan saw Field. they got yeah. the uh, they got yeah. the approval to build the new field. Yeah, I still don't exactly know what's going on there. We'll give that one a little bit more time. However, this has got a bowl game bowl of two and a half or three somewhere around there. Northwestern's already in, but boy. Northwestern could potentially get to eight and five with this win. So this is something that means, you know, they could step up in the bowl that they go to. Will they have more of their fans show up at a bowl game than show up at their own stadium? I don't know. These are, these are some of the questions and things you're playing for. And of course, the other, other pieces, they could keep their rival out of a bowl game. That too. So that matters. That's a good, That's a good point. That does play into what Northwestern's fighting for. Cause boy, Illinois wants to get to a bowl. This this is huge to keep momentum going for Beetle. They you, can wind you, up. I mean, Illinois, you knew this was going to kind of be a little bit of a step back from last year with all the NFL talent you lost. But to not make a bowl game, I think, would be very, very disappointing for most Illini. And there's a chance with the academic standards that they could get in at 5-7. and seven. 
But boy, you just want to get in, have that chance to go seven and six. This is for the land of Lincoln hat, or as many fans of both fan base called the LOL hat, because it's kind of a joke. I like it. Very, yeah. Very yeah. 2023. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Looking at this game, I want to give a shout out to Northwestern. I was able to rewatch the Northwestern Purdue game. First thing, uh, Kurt was very much correct ranking this last in the uniform rankings on the podcast. In fact, <laughs> maybe the clothes Kurt and I wore to watch our teams could have been ranked seventh and this uniform game could have been eighth. They could have somehow finished even further back than they did. Most of that, by the way, was on Northwestern. Just wear just wear your purples at home. Then everything would have been fine. It's It was Seems less like some of these Under Armour schools. I don't know if they get pressure from Under Armour to wear crazier designs. But... Yeah, Ugh, it was gross. Um, so Purdue, or now that I've just disparaged their uniforms, now I'm going to try to give them a compliment. There was no doubt Purdue looked better at times. With that being said, Northwestern did their job, man. They didn't turn the ball over. There was multiple times on fourth down and short goal line. They come up with the plays to that need to be made in the game to pull it out. It's the same scene every time. After they come up with another big play, offense or defense, you cut to the sideline, and there's David Braun. Both hands pumping, you know, cheering his team on. You could tell the players feed off his energy. Shout out to Northwestern. I did a shitty job of of complimenting them last one. For the seven Northwestern fans that probably listen to this podcast, going off of the percentage that I see from Ryan Field, I I do want to give them their props. That, That won't do is enough for them to certainly be in this game and, and pull it out. I mean, this, this, this is a close spread and it should be. They've, they've proved us wrong time and time and time again, all season. To me, this has been one of the most impressive teams in the country, not just the big 10, just because of all the circumstances and David Brown's the head coach. That's the right decision. Everything that they've seen, but the, the biggest part of it is just every single week with Northwestern, they're a little bit better at something. Yep. They do something thing a little bit smoother a little bit cleaner and i like to see it this is an this is an intriguing matchup because it you is. had illinois who was kind of down to start the year and then they they peaked a little bit started playing better and now every single game that they're in it seems like they're playing tough but they still have that tendency in them to self-implode and cause some kind of problem that eventually costs them a game so interested to see what happens in this game with the illini agree what and, and when they implode it's for like a quarter and a half. I can't really explain. They just go missing. Yeah, and then they get very small stretches. Like, <laughs> yep. And then, they, or it, or decent sized stretches. I mean, they, 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 they had that stat at the beginning of the year where they, they didn't. I don't think. I think they what made it to the Minnesota game until they finally scored a point in the in yeah. the first quarter. That was the stat that was thrown out there. They've also got some stuff after half that's been crazy. Here's another thing that would make me really nervous. They are thin at running back. Holy buckets. I this is the thinnest roster in one spot that I've seen. If if they would have made it to the Big Ten championship game, you know what I mean? Like, because they saw the shot, you know, as of last week. I don't, I don't know what the heck they would have rolled out there. We know that that uh, uh Fagan is gone for the rest of the year. He's gonna have surgery. So it's down to Mr. Reggie Love. He has got to stay healthy and play a lot. The other guy that comes in that's probably gonna be more for a decoy pass protection. Got to do his jab. So I am for this prediction. I am assuming that they have a healthy human being to play running back. Cause if not, this thing could change in a hurry for how it looks. 
Yep, I agree with you. Um, and because of that, Illinois has one thing that they have to do, and his name is John Paddock. Correct. Throw the ball. Your receivers have stepped up and made plays. I mean, you every week it's it's my boy Isaiah Williams out there just yes. making plays. Yes. Get, what are you what are you holding back for? I mean, at this point, he can throw it forty five times in this game. This is your season. Correct. And you're your finite running back. You use Reggie Love as a changeup at this point more than anything else. Go ahead. Yeah. You want to you want to get in because I'm ready to go when you Yeah, are. I can go right in my score. That's yep. fine. So it's it's five and a half points. It's a little bit bigger number than I thought it was gonna be. I actually mm-hmm. thought it was gonna be a little bit closer. And given the injury situation with Illinois, I'm leaning Northwestern here outright. I like the Wildcats to get this win. I'm taking them 24-21. I just I'm believing in David Braun. I'm I'm believing in what he's doing. I'm believing in the growth of this team. So that's 45 points that stays under. I just that's the feeling I have with it. I'm I'm liking Northwestern, and I think the volatility of what Illinois has been this year comes back to bite them at some point in this game. Are you sure it's because Big Kurt was on the last podcast? You didn't like to see him, so you're getting back at him, striking back at him. By having no, God, I feel <laughs> terrible doing this because he stepped up and helped me in a moment. I needed him, but it's just, I got to go with what gotta, I got to go. You got to go. Okay. We don't see the same game here. I believe this Illinois passing attack is hot. It just, it, and I believe in all honesty, it looked good versus Iowa. It's just, that's what a passing attack looks like versus Iowa. That's what you get out of it. This Northwestern defense has not been good. It, it does not match up. I believe Vegas is begging you to take Illinois, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and take that cheese, and I feel pretty decent about it. Let me say this. I think Illinois can both run and throw the ball. If there is a situation where Illinois has the running back taken away from them, it could wind up being in their favor because it will just force them to throw the ball more, which could just put more points on the board. So I've got Illinois 34, Northwestern 24, so I've got an Illinois cover. I was on the line what I was going to do. You talked me into a couple extra points for each team. So at 58 points, that over is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. I, I was teetering on Illinois covering or the over. Your expert analysis of breaking it down made me realize that we Experts are going to have a really big term. <laughs> we're we're going to have points on the board. It, uh, I, I believe. And, and weather played into this. It looks like 40 degrees and pretty nice in Champagne. So I think we're going to see some points on the board. Interesting. That's probably the that's probably the furthest apart we've been on a game this year. Yeah, that, that's interesting. We'll see where we're at with that. Since that was my Amador double barrel lock of the week, how about we go ahead and read a little something here. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving on in deeper into the afternoon a little bit, the 6 and 5. Maryland Terrapins at the 6-5 and five Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Terps by one. Game total 44.5. So Vegas is saying something like 23-22 to 22 Terrapins. Very, very intriguing game to me. This game has all kinds of storylines in it that I'm interested in. So ter- Terps lead the all-time series 11-7, to seven, including two in a row. 37-0 uh, last year. 
I'm going to go out and let me make a prediction that this game doesn't look anything like that this year. Probably not. Probably not. So, so to me, this game comes down to one thing and one thing only. And it was, it was it's for Maryland fans, they might not like to hear this, but you live by Leah, you die by Leah. I mean, we know what Rutgers defense is good at. They're good at stopping the run, and they've been susceptible to the pass. We know what Leah's good at, throwing the ball around and being dynamic. But like he like last week in the Michigan game, the turnovers that he can sometimes have will kill you. If he can stay clean in this game and not force turnovers, I think Maryland has a good yes. shot in this game. If he yes. doesn't, that's how Rutgers takes this game and turns it into exactly what Shiano wants it to be, and that's a fight in a mud pit. We we maybe were a little bit opposite for how we were seeing things on the last game that we predicted, but the points that we're both looking at for uh, for this game, they're almost the exact same. I think almost everything is going to come down to what Leah we get, all right, and then turnovers and how the turnovers go in this game. The thing is, though, if you really look at it a little bit deeper, so Rutgers, if I could, if I could say is a little bit more well-known for being hot off of their turnovers. But in all honesty, Maryland is just as, they're just as uh, um, uh, finicky with how their team looks as it compares to to turnovers as well. So turnovers will be one of, if not the first, second, and third biggest part of this game. You look at Rutgers, they beat Indiana to get to six wins. Everybody felt good about, wow, nice job, Rutgers, you got there. Then they lose three games straight. But those games were against Ohio State at Iowa and at Penn State. So I kept Rutgers right below Iowa in my power rankings because I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that most teams would be on a three-game losing streak in the Big Ten when you play Ohio State at Iowa and at Penn State. So this is the game that is going to decide who is the fourth-best team in the Big Ten East. I know that that fifth. Oh, in the East. Sorry. In, in the, the East. East. Okay. In the East. Yeah. Gotcha. I thought you meant overall. Overall. So thanks, buddy. Thanks for so th- and that's something. It it's something to be seven and five as compared to six and six. You're guaranteed a winning season. I think it's fair to say, Maryland and and, and especially Rutgers fans, to expect winning seasons. You're in and you Maryland fans can expect that. With Rutgers fans, to expect winning seasons is not something that we've seen all the time. This means something to Rutgers fans. This definitely means something to Shiano. That all factors into this for me. Leah and and Locks, because they're kind of married, right? They have had the tendency to look sharper and more attacking when they're playing the Michigan and Ohio States of the world, not Penn State for whatever reason. Then that is so weird, by the it way. It is weird. I don't it understand is like that. one of the most common things with Maryland. They've looked yeah, sharper as Ohio State, Michigan every year, horrible against Penn State. But also, eh, versus the non three that you, it is a mixed bag when they start playing the Indianas and Minnesotas or whatever. Like that. The, and a lot of times they don't look that good. Maybe it's because it's right before or after they play a Michigan and Ohio state. I, I don't know what it is. They're the epitome of playing to your competition, Penn state, notwithstanding, Like they are, when you hear that sentiment, it's put Maryland's picture there because that's exactly that's what perfect. And, and you, and you can use those trends. I don't like, I'm not a huge trends guy. When you have major changes with the roster and the coaches, 
we don't have a major change with the roster. This is the same quarterback, you know, a lot of the same key people. It is. So I can, it's reasonable to expect the same craziness or predictability in that, I guess I should say with it. So that is what's playing into it here. By the way, the way Leo was crying after that Michigan game, was it because he knew he lost his last chance to win one of the big games or was it because he's done and he sees nothing else to play for? I'm just saying it wouldn't blow my mind if we got word right before the game that Leo wasn't playing. Do you think that's crazy that I throw no, that out? I, there? No, I, no, I don't. I don't think okay. so at all. I don't know that. I don't think there was any injury. So I, he doesn't strike me as the kind nope. of person if there's no injury that he's not going to play because it's not like he's sitting out to help his draft stock. He's the type of player that needs okay. to play to okay. help his draft stock, in my opinion. Because if, if you're not a locked up first round pick, what do you? Like especially at okay. quarterback, that's what, fair. What you're sitting out for you're trying to you're trying to boost your your draft stock. In my injury, mind. So, injury. If he's not injury. injury I think he's right. Yeah. Well, and but he could get injured in this game or the bowl game is is what sure. I'm saying. So even if you're quote unquote only going to be a fourth rounder, I'll take a fourth rounder's paycheck and a oh, chance sure. to make yeah. you know. So I, oh, it is hell yeah. <laughs> it is still a it is still a big deal. I'll jump into it. All those things factor in. I think Seattle wants this bad. Doesn't need it. They got the bowl game. He wants it. Maryland's favored by one. I got it the other way. I got Rutgers 21, Maryland 20. So that's kind of a Rutgers feeling type of game. And at 41 points, I got this going under the game total. We we see the same game. The only difference is I have a few more points. I got yeah. Rutgers 26, Maryland 24. Ooh. So I'm two points. So okay. I, I'll take Rutgers outright and just, and I'm over that total. But I, I think a little bit more of the want to, like you said, from Rutgers in this game. We got two games left, and these are doozies here. All right, the six and five Wisconsin Badgers traveling into Dinky Town to take on the five and six Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a two thirty p.m. game on FS1 line. Badgers by two over under forty one point five. Vegas is saying something like twenty two to twenty. Badgers got a bowl game bowl ranking of three. Maybe it, I, you know what I'd like to now that you've put that in my head. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make this a three and a half because Minnesota wants to make a bowl, and oh boy, would Wisconsin love to keep Minnesota out of a bowl? So I, I kind of like that little little caveat you put in there. Hey, rivalries aren't just for fans. That's Players true. and teams feel that rivalry and that. Oh yeah, maybe not hate like fans do, but they feel that blood boil just the same as we do. Yeah, series. So yeah, all time sixty two. 62 and eight, another all tied up series. Puts well, a little bit more into what you were just saying. Yes. Nope. You don't want to have your rival can't oh, have boy. the edge on you. This is a big game. And I don't know about you, but that won. gave me that gave me chills down my spine. I mean, the Gophers have won two of these in a row, also. Yes. A and then what? Want to? And what's crazy is when you look at this series. I mean, Minnesota was was light years ahead of Wisconsin. I mean, obviously Minnesota football, you know, during the wars, okay, they they were just decleating people. But then Wisconsin storms all the way back in the 90s and the 2000s to tie this thing up. And then right at that time they do that, Minnesota says, we got to get our shit together. They finally start winning the Axe. It's just been incredible of a series. And by the way, the Axe, I've had my hands on it. I've Two iconic trophies I've had my hands on the the pig and the axe. This is a phenomenal trophy. It's easily top three in my mind. I'm a little bit biased with that, but this this is a phenomenal trophy. Pretty nice in Minnesota, but not great. 
It's gonna be chilly. It's gonna be right around freezing, maybe a little bit. Nah, but those players are that's that's warm to them. For everybody though, is there a quarterback playing for Wisconsin? Well, okay, okay. That grew up in Texas okay. hmm. that that has kind of a hand that isn't all the way healthy and is having troubles gripping the ball. And I don't know, man. I think that kind of plays into this along with Braylon Allen. Comments after the Nebraska game, he is just outwardly talking about how he's not healthy. He hasn't been practicing, did not know if he was going to give it a go. It was right up until game time, and then he snapped out of it. I don't know how else you want to say it. It was able to play in this game. So he's gimpy. Yeah, maybe <laughs> a little could be. Modern medicine is a great thing. That's all hey, I can say. If the player and the parents are okay with it, why can't you be? I'm not one to judge. No, I'm I'm not a judger in that capacity. This is a gimpy Wisconsin team that desperately wanted that bowl win last week. They or win to get to a bowl, excuse me. They they got that now. So a little bit of of same thing going on with the Iowa Nebraska game that's happening with Wisconsin Minnesota that team that that had that emotional release at home now has to travel to go play a rival on the road I, you got to factor this in I I don't get me oh, wrong it, it matters okay. it matters all, all, all that's got to factor in what else what else are you looking at for this game to me I don't know that there's a whole lot more. I, like X's and O's, I, I don't really care about X's and O's in this game. I think this game is all about the mindset and who, like to take your, your phrase again, who wants this game more? Because both these teams know who the other team is. They both know what the other team wants to do. They both are dealing with injuries aplenty. It's going to come down to which one of these two sets of 22 guys lines up and punches the other one in the face the best and the longest and doesn't make that critical mistake. I don't care a, a lick about a single X and O in this game. I want to see which team brings the fight. I want to see, can this Minnesota defense get back to what they were in a game that means more to them than anything? Because you lose this game, and it's a long offseason in gopher land for P.J. Flack. Yes. So, grumpy gopher fans. There, there's been a ton of them all year long. Break my arm, pat myself on the back again. You know I'm good at that. I tried warning Minnesota fans that this was going to be a transition year. Now, I want to talk to Minnesota fans in, a, in a, what I would hope would be received in a positive light. If you go 6-6 six and six and win your bowl, because that's what you do. You always win your bowl. You're trying to tell me that in a transition year, going 7-6 and six, while having the axe and the pig in your trophy room isn't a good year. Folks, that is a good year, especially when you factor in all the things that were thrown at him this year. Injuries, players going. So there is a ton to play for. I promise you, Gopher fans, you will feel great on Saturday night if you pull this out. Much of the transgressions that you felt this year will be washed away. But if you lose, out of the bowl game. Toxicity have, will be at an all-time high. And, and PJ ain't going anywhere. They're not going to get rid of PJ for going five and seven and going down to the last game of the year with a chance to make the bowl. They just are not at the status level yet where you can get rid of Peach. With that being said, it will be a hard off season if they can't win this game. 
I am a little bit more dialed into the personnel in my personal opinion and just checking with a couple gopher fans. I wonder if Cody Lindenberg, Darius Taylor, Zach Evans, I wonder if some of these guys could have went last weekend. Why play them? It's Ohio state. I think there has been a saving of personnel. I don't know if we're going to get both Darius Taylor and Zach Evans. I think we're going to get one of the two. Even if you have one, it's huge. And I believe they will. That is predicting into what I'm saying here. This is another one where if you are a a prognosticator and you put some shekels to it, check out that injury report around 1.30 p.m. because PJ ain't giving nothing out until then. You see uh, some of these guys, looks like they're going to play. Definitely helps my thought process on on how I feel about how this game could look and go. No, I, I'm with you there. I the way we're talking, I think we're leaning into this the same way. Do you want me to go ahead and go first, or you want to go, go for it, sir? Go for it, sir. All right. So another game, another rivalry game. Two teams that feel pretty evenly matched. We talked about all the injuries involved. I'm going to lean on the home team again. I, I'm going to take the Gophers outright, twenty to seventeen. I don't see a lot of points in this game. I think this is a traditional Big Ten West matchup where the defenses will be the prominent force. So that's 37 points comfortably under. But I'm going to give the Gophers that bowl game and that big win, like you said, to have both of those trophies at the end of the year. We see things very similar. Not sure what the heck to expect from Wisconsin. That is the number one thing that is interesting about this game. You get a different Wisconsin game week to week. The Wisconsin game that started that game versus Nebraska, I mean, honestly, I thought they were going to get their doors blown off and their season was over. Then they responded. They showed heart. I don't know which Tanner Mordecai I'm getting, but, man, P.J. absolutely needs this. I think P.J. is going to get this. I've got Minnesota 27, Wisconsin 23. So at 50 points, I've got that going over. And not only are they getting two points, they're winning the game outright. So I have Minnesota covering. Contemplated a couple different things with the Amador double barrel lock of the week, but I I want to give it closer to the end of the week for the weather to see how it looks and that injury report with Minnesota. But if things the weather's looking good and Minnesota's looking healthy, I like Minnesota and the over even more. Interesting. I just don't see the points, but okay, we could be wrong. Could be wrong. All right, Jordan, you've been patient all fall are you ready to go here buddy i am i am excited i am i am ready to go let's do it and that brings us to the big 10 game of the week getting all the votes i I was busy and ill yesterday i didn't even put it out there what was the point we know what the big 10 game of the week is this week the 11 and oh, number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes coming into the big house to take on the 11 and oh, number three ranked Michigan Wolverines. 11 o'clock a.m. game, of course. This is on Fox Line, Michigan by three and a hook over under 46.5. Vegas is saying 25 to 21, 24 21. Wolverines, this is the game. I like it. That was a nice setup. I got set up. I nice like into it. Okay. That felt good. I got my blood flowing a little bit. Okay. Uh, the Wolverines do lead the all-time series 60, 51, and 6, including very obviously the last two, as all Michigan fans like to pour it into Ohio State's fans' minds over the last two years. So 45-23 last year in the shoe, coming back home to the big house. So before we even get into this game, I know we have our breakout on how we do these big games. 
I'm going to throw one thing at you to just brew into your mind the whole time we're breaking this down. There's one trend in this game that has been more consistent than any trend of any college football game out there. Since the year 2000, the team that has won the rushing battle in Mm. this game has won the game. Every time. Every single time. For the last 23 seasons, obviously one year they didn't play, but since the year 2000, the team that won the game won the rushing battle. Wow. That just adds more intrigue. By the way, it's this almost the exact same stat with Iowa-Wisconsin. I think there's been one game since 2000 where that's not been the case. So it's that's definitely huge. I thought maybe the trend was either going to be the team that won in the turnover battle, won the game, or I thought maybe the trend would be overs, that, that, that how many games went over. Because I feel like there's been points in this game or at least recently there there has been the other the other trend with that rushing stat is the lower the disparity in rushing the closer the total game okay and that plays right into because i i don't know who has the advantage with this when you start comparing these teams so for these bigger games we've done the same thing so we're obviously going to do it here let's start with michigan's offense versus Ohio State's defense. Hard to pick out what the more intriguing matchup strength. It's it's all pretty strong here <laughs> in this game. That's the reason it's two versus three. So, But let's start with there. Michigan offense versus Ohio State defense. I'll let you start out, buddy. Go. I think this is, you asked which one was the bigger match. I think this is the bigger matchup for me because of a few things. One, Michigan's health on the offense right now is – the question that all Michigan fans are asking, J.J. McCarthy didn't look good last week. A lot of talk was the ankle from when he got rolled up on at Penn State was the issue. What's J.J. McCarthy's biggest problem throwing the football? He doesn't get his feet underneath him. When you got a gimpy ankle, you don't get your feet underneath you, bad things happen. So what's the health there? Roman Wilson went out of that game. Two offensive tackles went out of that game last week. The offensive health for me is the number one question mark because it's – much documented, this Ohio State defense is light years better than they were last year. You need as healthy of an offense as you can possibly have if you're Michigan to be able to exploit the areas where I think you can if you're healthy against this defense. If they're not healthy, this gets a whole lot harder for this Michigan offense to move the ball against a very good Buckeye defense. Roman Wilson would be where I'd start. Any idea on his health in this game? Do we know? Everything thing that everybody's saying and you know these coaches will not let a thing slip out is that every single person that went out of that uh, maryland game should be good to go those were the words because exact quote is should be good to go i i can sense the beat up in this of a lot of of, of michigan players on offense but they're all going right jj's playing in oh yeah jj i know is going to play to me the question with him is is he all himself or is he gimpy because that matters hugely in the outcome of this game. I agree. Roman Wilson was the one where I'm like, is he playing? Because when Roman Wilson goes out of the game, there is only one guy that JJ feels really uber comfortable with, and that's the tight end, Loveland. So I need both. So I'm going to make this this known. I am predicting this game as if Roman Wilson is playing in it, because I believe his ability to take the top off the defense, stretch things out, is huge. If he's not in this game, I probably wouldn't 
predict what I'm predicting or would at least look different. I just want to throw it, that. It, would, it, it, it definitely changes the dynamic of the offense because he does seem to be the wide receiver that just finds a way to be open. And it, I mean, it is speed. He's, he's fast. I do think, like you said, tight, tight ends are going to be important for both of these offenses because yeah, oh yeah. both offenses have that one wide receiver that, I mean, one's a little bit different stratosphere than the other, but they have right. that one wide receiver that just is dynamic and then a couple other wide receivers that are good, not maybe not, not elite, but they both teams have great, and I mean great, tight ends. Obviously, Georgia has Brock Bowers. I could argue that Colston Loveland and Cade Stover are right in that top five of tight ends in the yep. country as well. I agree. I think the tight end position for both offenses is crucial. The other question I have with Michigan's offense is this is where the Jim Harbaugh effect has shown to matter because – I love Sharon Moore. I think he's an amazing coach. I think he's a potential head coach in the future. He's wearing a lot of hats. We've documented it on here being an offensive line coach, an offensive coordinator, and a head coach. It's a lot, and there's been a lot of consternation that the play calling from him has been kind of conservative. Is that strategy and gamesmanship to not show Jim Knowles in this Buckeye defense any other tricks, or is that just kind of who he is being a little bit overwhelmed? These are all great points. Question for you, JJ. And the overall performance by the offense last weekend, and I guess I could kind of say the team, we have seen this before. Michigan has looked like straight dog crap the week before the, the Ohio State game. Y'all could have lost versus Illinois last year. No doubt yep. about that. So in your mind, is there a percentage breakdown of concerned to not as concerned this is what we look like before the game jj his how he's looking where you at with that concern level what i was expecting level all of that i don't i don't take a whole lot away from the maryland game because it's just it's exactly like what you saw last year with illinois that's probably the second best team that michigan has played to date Penn State obviously being number one this year. Last year, Illinois, same exact situation. Probably the second best team that Michigan had seen to date. And they're good teams. And it was a, it's just, to me, it's that, it's that, it's a, that trap game like we talked about Penn State, Ohio State, and then a good team in the middle of it. It's tough. I don't take a whole lot away from it. Having said that, you, you can't hide the fact that JJ has struggled a little bit in these games. It's, it's, it's known, it's obvious, but, then you see him last year. He, he struggled against Illinois, and then he goes into Columbus and has a great game. So, you know, the, the yeah. these trends can be one way or the other to me. As long as he's healthy, I feel good. That's all the thoughts going through my head as well as a non-Wolverine or Buckeye fan. How this game looks is going to rest so much on how J.J. looks. Both quarterbacks, don't get me wrong, but... Ohio State's got a couple different ways they can get you, or just a little bit of a different style tweak there. You've brought it up a ton. J.J. running the ball, need to see it. Going to have to have it in order to convert some of these big plays. Now, I think when somebody pictures J.J., it's him jetting down the field. I tell you what, it's huge. Converting third and six when he rolls out and it's not there and he gets the first down. That... Has got to be available for this Michigan offense. We're gonna now, now on the other side of the ball for Ohio State, though. It's important because we saw what, what Penn State defensively did 
to Michigan that Michigan eventually exploited was their edges were just shooting up the field. And I mean, they abused Michigan's tackles. Ohio state's got to stay disciplined in their run lanes because we've seen Michigan in this game specifically be completely content with running the ball 45 times. And if Ohio state's defense doesn't stay disciplined, that's what burned them last year. They started getting out of their gaps and then Michigan hit big runs. So that defense has improved as it's been. I will argue this is the best offense that that defense has seen this year as well. No, I, I, this is the best each team has faced all year, whatever, whatever your, your flavor is. It's the best that these teams have faced. This is why it's such a huge game for not just us and the podcast and pretty much everybody. And then the last thing I'd say with JJ is the comments about him very much preferring Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. It, he's not going to be there. That's weird to me. Not weird. I I get it. That's why I was saying Harbaugh not being on the sideline is a big deal. Okay. No, it matters definitely. Yep. And I I fully expect Ohio State's defense to look great. Uh, they this is one of the best defenses in the entire country. Third downs will be an absolute premium. Manageable third downs for Michigan's offense will be an absolute premium. I think. I, I think uh, Quorum will grind out yards. I will be shocked to see him have any more than two or three plays over 10 yards. I think that's kind of how this game will go. He will, of course, have a three-yard touchdown run at some point in this game. You know, that's just that it is written. So, But but it's it's a, it's a grind. All of this is a grind. So we said, I said that I thought J.J. was the important part of the Michigan offense. The player that I'm watching on the Ohio State defense – it's not any of the names. It's not the JTTs, the Jack Sawyers, the Denzel Brick. It's not them. There's one guy that I'm concerned with, and that's Sonny Styles. I, 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 I was gonna this say kid Sonny. is yep. this kid is uber athletic, yep. and with the injury to uh, was it Nathan Ransom, right? Yep. He's he, he was the one that's out for you. That means more snaps for Sonny Styles. Personally, I hate that. I would much rather see Latham Ranson out there than Sonny Styles. This kid is talented. He's the guy that they can put on those tight ends to try to help mitigate that a little bit. He needs to have a big game to help that defensive secondary stay where they want to be because if they can use him on those tight ends, then that means your corners, because they're like Michigan on the defensive side too. Not a lot of depth at corner, right. but what they have is, is good. good. Shame on us for not bringing up Sonny Styles' name more on this podcast this year. Good well, to he good hasn't been you. used as much as I feel oh, like boy. he should be, and that's because of the guys like Ransom who are just older and been there, but – the and kid I, is supremely talented. And I think he he was the one that had the hand in the pick six interception by Rutgers, I believe, off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that was. Could be. He, I don't remember. Yeah. That's a good breakdown on that side. Let's switch to the other. I'll, I'll start out here, if you don't mind. The Ohio State defense versus the Michigan. Uh, the Ohio State offense versus the Michigan defense. I, I say I'm going to start it out, and then I screwed up. <laughs> this probably is the 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 splashier side Michigan probably has more guys going pro on the defensive side and Ohio State has more guys going pro on the offensive side so very excited about this what I wouldn't be excited about if I'm a Michigan fan is how good Travion Henderson has looked crazy when I think about him a lot of times when guys come back from injury they need a little bit of time he just Flew out of the gates when he came back. And I think it was the Wisconsin game, if I'm not mistaken. And he's looked better each week. Now, competition plays into this a little bit for sure. sure. 
But Travion Henderson is good. We we already know Travion Henderson is good. I, I don't need to see him versus anybody to 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 confirm. This guy is is excellent. Okay. We we know Marv. Okay. How many times are you are you gonna love when he's referred Maserati. to as Maserati Marv? I, you already knew where I was going with that. And the world famous Ohio State Buckeyes. Oh, I know you you're gonna love that, aren't you? And then so I, I have faith in those two. I have faith in Kate Stover. I do have faith, okay, in Kyle McCord. Certainly not at those levels. This is what I'm interested in. What is Ryan Day's confidence level in his quarterback and how that pertains to the game plan? Like, that's what gets me fired up because if it's me, all right, just Jeff for the Greek, best play calling I've done has probably been on a video game, okay? If it's me... <laughs> I want to lean to Travion and let this game come to Kyle McCord and and the big plays. All right, to Marv, what say you? What what do you think the game plan will be? Should be? I think if you're Michigan defensively, your strength is your front seven. Those defensive tackles, your edges aren't like elite pass rushers, but they're very good against the run. You need to lean on that. You need to trust that. You need to. Trust that Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, those guys can hold up against this run. Because the Ohio State, the weakness of their offense has been the tackles. And their number one running play that they like to run, which has always kind of baffled me when your tackles are weak, is a stretch Correct. play where you need good ceiling on the edge of your tackles. Just interesting to me. But yeah. so the front seven of Michigan needs to be able to hold up against that run game. You're not going to stop it. Because like you said, Travion Henderson is good. This is the first time he's ever been healthy for this game. Same can be said for Blake Corum. Like, neither one of them have been right. this healthy for Forgot this game that. in their careers here. That. Yeah. So, but that to me is where you have to lean. You're not going to stop Marvin Harrison. I don't care if I was throwing the ball to Marvin Harrison. He's going to find a way to make plays in this game that change it. The thing that you have to limit is he can't take the game over you have to make it where you can stop the run with as few people as possible and then you can bracket cover him and make the other guys beat you and the biggest part of that to me is kyle mccord on the road like any quarterback hasn't been nearly he's been more the honda mccord on the road (laughs) versus the other version of him um that's right so to Um, me to me that's the thing you've got to stop we talked about the rushing stat but it's not just stopping the run because you can stop the run by loading up eight, nine guys in the box, but then you're going to get murdered on the back end by the receivers that they have. So you've got to be able to stop the run with your front seven, six preferably. Excellent breakdown. Some of the other extracurriculars to look for when Ohio State has the ball. They've been excellent at getting Travion Henderson the ball in the throw game. That is something that's huge. Screens. You got to give Ryan Day credit, right? He is he is good. You got to get your best athletes the ball. I mean, and you have does. to, and he's he, done a good job of that with with Travion, especially. My thing is, who is going to be the guy that creases Michigan? Is it is it going to be the running back or is it going to be the wide receiver? I know what I'm getting out of Cade Stover. He's going to move the chains. That's we're looking for Cade Stover on. He's that third, third down weapon in my mind. It's third and seven. You need somebody to just get you six. Six or eight yards. Yep. 
that's where that think that's where he's going to come into play. I don't expect him to go wild with ten catches and one hundred and twenty yards. I expect him to move the chains because he's not because he's not healthy. He was a guy that could get you a 30, 40 yard chunk play, but he's got a bulky leg right now, but he can still, he's still savvy. He can still get open. His stat line, my guess is going to be something like five catches for 41 yards, but like four of those catches being first downs. That's probably what his stat line will look like. Very with Marv. I could see him not having a ton of catches, but the touchdowns and the splash plays. So you're on it there. The goal has got to be by the Michigan defense. Like we know he's going to get us, but don't let him get us two or three times. That is going to be a huge part in this game. One other thing I would add is I hear a lot of podcasts and people talking on Twitter, and it's this holding this back, holding that back for these big games. I think fans throw that out there too much. You are the team that you've been rolling into these games. A play or two? Yes. 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 You'll have each side will have a gadget or some a look on defense they haven't shown one or two. But you're not going to have a whole drive of, oh, look at all this fancy. Right. Like Michigan's not going to come out in five wide and sling it around for a whole drive. You'll see some gadget plays or a different mode or play out of a formation but it's you are like you said you are who you've been because you wouldn't be to this point if you weren't that like it's 100 yeah yes i i totally agree that's people just over overstate that stuff a little bit so special teams i would say pretty even for the most part i i can't really see you know, a big advantage there. So I, I didn't really factor that in. So in these big games, I always let you take them home. So I'm going to let you take this home. I will give my prediction first. If you are okay with that, sir. Works for me. All right. Had Michigan picked all year long. I've had Michigan ranked number one all year long, but these teams look a little bit different right now. This is, and when I say different, I mean how they're kind of feeling coming into the game. Fair to say, this is as Spider-Man meme as these two teams, I swear, have ever looked. This is as similar. They're both playing great defense. They're both running the ball really well. They both feel fine with their passing attack, but not exactly overconfident with the passing attack. Fair to say, fair assessment. Yep, agree. So when you have that close of a you know Spider-Man meme, two teams almost kind of looking in the mirror, that sure seems like it's going to be a close game to me. There was no doubt in my mind that I was picking Ohio State and the points in this game. The question is, who's going to win? I'm going to take the home team to win. I haven't seen just enough yet to change where I've been with Michigan all offseason, all season long. I have got Michigan 24, Ohio State 23. At 47 points, that's a half game over. There should be a big game feel to this that gets it over. But at only a one-point victory, that is a Ohio State cover. Ohio State with the cover, Michigan with the win. So a lot of what I talked about with this game was leading to where I'm going to go with this. The history of this game. 20-plus years of the team winning the running battle wins this game. So to win the rushing battle, what do you have to win? You have to win the trenches. 
if you ask me, and I think this is not going to come as a shock to anybody out there, I think Michigan's trenches are better. I think Michigan being at home is a massive advantage in this game. I will tell you, if this was in Columbus this year, I would pick Ohio State to beat Michigan if it was in Columbus. I think it matters that much because of Kyle McCord and not being as seasoned of a quarterback as what J.J. McCarthy is. I am taking Michigan to win this game outright. Shocker, I know. I'm also taking Michigan to cover the spread in this game. So I have Michigan 28, Ohio State 20. That's 48 points. That's over. This is game. Another thing that has trended is points and going over totals. Yep. Last year was the last two years have been 60 and 70 point totals. Yep. yep. With good defenses. Now we saw Ohio State's defense last year, what it was. But to me, there's the running the ball is so important in this game. Michigan's identity is we want to run the ball and we will find a way to run the ball. Ohio State, in these big moments, we've seen Ryan Day have a tendency to revert back to what he knows, which is throwing the ball. And I think that's a disadvantage to Ohio State in this game if he does that. If he leans on the running game, that's where they can do it, but they have to have the success to do it. And I don't trust that Ryan Day will do that. I think he gets back to his roots and gets just for some reason that play caller in him wants to throw the ball. And I trust Michigan's running game in their trenches more. So I got the Wolverines. I got Michigan versus everybody. Oh, geez. Okay. 28 nothing or 28 to 20. Michigan gets the win. Listen, wouldn't expect you to pick Ohio State. Would, would honestly kind of be disappointed if you would. I will say I felt that that was a very honest, good breakdown of, of the game, of, of the prediction of the game. I don't think it's outlandish at all. The, the loss of Harbaugh on the side scares me as a Michigan person. If I, if I was a Michigan person, maybe even helps me think of Ohio State and, and, and my wallet uh, getting those points. But why has that line stayed right where it's at? That thing hasn't moved at all. So and that- the, the reason I that is is because Michigan knows that Harbaugh is not going to be there. The last two weeks, they found out midweek that he's not going to be there. And another coach last week got fired right before the game. All right. kinds of controversy. There's been nothing to this point. Obviously, it's only Tuesday evening. Who knows what could come out, but with the holiday. So yeah. that's that's part of that's part of it, I think. Well, Jordan, what I'm getting at is I'm surprised this hasn't moved towards Ohio State. That's when I saw the line, I I thought it would move towards Ohio State. The, the stickiness of the line and Michigan is what is one of those factors that slid me back over to Michigan winning the game, but, but not enough for, for me to cover, um, uh, man, it's a good one. Uh, Darren, my, or my brother and I were talking and we said, man, it's just, it's perfect for us. The Iowa Nebraska black Friday game will already have been over for nearly 24 hours I don't need to put money down on this game to, to like this game. And that's the true draw of a game like this. I don't have a rooting interest. I'm sorry. I know we're buddies and we've recorded. I have a couple of Ohio State buddies as well. I do not have a rooting interest in this game. I want it to be a great game. Iowa fans are asking, who would you rather see in the Big Ten Championship? 
overwhelmingly they want to see Ohio State. I keep saying the same thing, but if Ohio State goes into Michigan and beats them, aren't they the, the better football team? You know, so like I, yeah, right? my point is both Michigan and Ohio State are scary for me to play as, as an Iowa fan in Indianapolis. So to the better team win, I, I hope it's a game where it's not controversial. I don't want it to come down to a stupid call by the Big Ten refs. I want this to just be a great game that that the non-Michigan and Ohio State fans walk away from and say that was the better team. That was a great game. All you know, all hail college football. That's that's what I'm hoping we see on Saturday. And I didn't even mention in my breakdown. I got too much into it. But my Amador Double Barrel Lock of the Week is the over in that in game. this game. In this yep. game, okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, you did get it. in the game. In the game. In the game. That was fun, man. Those breaking down those big games with you is, is good stuff. I appreciate you mending up and making the podcast. We're we're right back on schedule. And we're gonna still be on schedule yep. on Sunday, Jordan. Uh I will be here on Sunday. Timing may have to vary a little okay. bit. We'll discuss that a little bit more offline, but I will we'll be around Sunday. Want come come hook or come crook, I'll be here. Okay. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.